0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It has been a hot second, but we are back on ClapperCast today, celebrating our three-year anniversary of the first podcast episode coming out um, with the return of the new era of ClapperCast. And of course... For this uh, occasion, I had to be joined, and Mr. Editor in Chief Jack Luke Sharp. Jack, it's been a while. I think it's been since Matrix you've been on the podcast. How are you doing yeah, today? We definitely needed a pause after those <laughs> the Wachowski marathon. I'm I'm really happy to be
1: back on this podcast. I'm really happy to be back talking to my, one of my best friends, Gaz and Tomasa And we've got you've got a really good lineup as well. Yeah, I'm um, I'm really excited to talk about this.
0: Really excited. Right, so today's film, even though when we did three new releases a week, for some reason, I do not remember why, never did a proper episode on everything, everywhere, all at once. Mm -hmm. Went on critical acclaim, social moment, um, becoming the most acclaimed film of all time, according to Wikipedia, winning Best Picture, obviously huge legacy here. Let's go ahead, let's take a look at the film, and then we'll come back and we'll discuss everything, everywhere, all at once. Okay, and Jack, I'm going to throw it over to you first as our guest, because I genuinely have no idea what your answer is going to be, which I love, <laughs> considering I've heard everyone else, I think, of the universe give their takes on this film. What are your thoughts on everything, everywhere, all at once?
1: So, strangely, I, I, I don't... Obviously, you, you, you mentioned in your opening about not... You did it subconsciously, not sort of watching this film when it first came out. I haven't seen this until yesterday. So... I've I've seen all the sweep of the, the the Academy Awards, the social movement, as you said, and, and like the fury online about it just being this defining piece of cinema. Um, I I think I, I think I subconsciously avoided this film because I I don't really like going with the, the the narrative of the Academy Awards. I don't think they get it right, particularly nine times out of ten. So I'm glad to have picked this up, um, and and I really enjoyed this. There's a there's a lot to discuss in it. I must admit there's there's a there's some very crazy things in here but I think they're all conscious um but I I left with a with a really good smile on my face I do think it has here and there issues but I wouldn't necessarily say issues but there's definitely things where I'm like ah okay and I think my opinion might be quite controversial um but no I really I really enjoyed this I I'm I'm glad I, I sort of watched it when I did I didn't I didn't think I felt the need to watch it when it first came out, which I think might imply my overall opinion of it when we get into it. But um, I'm really happy I watched it um, and I and I quite liked it. I didn't I didn't necessarily sort of become intoxicated by it because there's a lot of people who are quite um, hyperbolic about it. That, that's that, that's a, a, to say kindly. Um, but I, re- I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. What about yourself?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much right there with you. I had high hopes for this, considering the Daniels' last film, Swiss Army Man. Mm-hmm. I think it's like a five-star masterpiece. So I walked into this very excited. Before, a lot of people saw it. I got an early screening Ooh. for it. Um, so all I heard is, like, it was good, but I didn't necessarily hear about the social impact when I first saw it, right? And the giant fan base. Um, and I think it's good. My relationship with the film has grown. I've never really—this is my third time watching it— I've never walked away from this film feeling like it's a five-star masterpiece. Mm-hmm. There are issues I'd like to dissect. Um, but overall, when it comes to inspiration with filmmaking, when it comes to doing so much with so little, granted, there is maybe a little bit more here than you know the average independent film, um, I think it just wildly works so well. And it hits every emotional beat so competently that even if on reflection, let's say when breaking down the logic of the film or what the messages are really like getting in to it some things might fall flat in the moment when you're sitting there it's really hard not to get caught up in the emotional weight you know everyone posts the rock scene and like yeah when you're sitting there it is pretty great um and then the performances i think are like stephanie sue not to like jump ahead but like unbelievable in this film Mm -hmm. i would say and the fact that she's like the one of the main cast (laughs) that didn't get yeah. for it it's crazy <laughs> yes <laughs> sitting there at the end i mean my roommate were watching it and at the end i was just like wow i just wish he was a little bit more like jamie lee curtis right now like i don't know how you do that yeah, i don't know I, how I think you
1: we'll, we'll navigate that, that um, <laughs> um i think you, yeah. you what you said i think as a directing piece i think in in the words of production in general i know that's a broad term but i think it is it's correct here I think this is probably second to none this year. I think the editing is exceptional. I think the composition is exceptional. I think the performances um, are are great. We'll come on to that a little little bit later with what you imply because I I tend to agree with you a lot and I agree with you there to no surprise uh, to the audience. But um, yeah, I think I think on a cinematic level, I, I think this is genius. I, I really do. I think. I didn't. I didn't know until I think I watched the film as well that it, that the, that the uh, directors had done Swiss Army Man as well, and I'm and I'm, I'm a fan of that film as well. Um, and then it sort of clicked, and um, it, it seems like a really good evolution for them. Um, this is this is very very big, and I, I'm going to bring the reason up in a second. Everyone's going, oh, you're going to bring the Matrix up. This felt like um, the Matrix to the Wachowskis' bound, where there are themes, they're brooding, it's evolving. This felt like these people the Daniels, wrote this as a screenplay. And from the moment they pressed the keyboard or they written with pen until the final print went in and it went to the Academy Awards, they realised their vision from start to finish. And for a filmmaker to do that, or filmmakers, um, I think that's extraordinary. What a talent to, to get that vision. You can see, as, pl- as plain as day, as the seconds roll by, each frame, this has been just Idolized as being, we and I, I, we need to do this. This is it. This is what I want to do here, there, and and obviously there's there's stuff on the final cut that's not there. I know there's a lot of sequences, a lot of a lot of fun that they had to trim back, but that's a great sign of maturity as well. That even that they wanted everything in here isn't there, um, but but for them to get on paper to to the final vision and it to be so visceral as well, it's sort of commanding as as filmmakers. I I, I can't really sort of see any other filmmaker bar your, your prestige filmmakers we're talking about now, like Nolan's um, Villeneuve, stuff like that, oh, Villeneuve, That's a throwback to the <laughs> Um I, I was I was incredibly impressed with the direction. I thought technical ability is flawless. And if if you, if you would have told me beforehand, say if I'd been living um, in a, in a cave and you said, look, this went to the Academy Awards well, very well, I'd have thought predominantly would have done very very well on production rather than it would do on um, performance. Um, Again, a bit more of an implication there, what we'll talk about. But on a technical level, I was flawed. I think the editing is like flawless. I was really worried and skeptical as it was cutting and out, cutting and out, cutting it out. I was going to be like, I was even going to get fried, or I was going to be like, oh, you know, I, I would prefer this. Every sort of moment was so fluid and organic. And he just, it just that, that immersion and that, that atmosphere, as well as attention tension towards the end, is just like masterfully done. I was was incredibly impressed. Incredibly impressed.
0: Right. I think this is such a big sign on the skills and talents of the Daniels. We're getting in this phase with A24, for better or for worse, where I really feel like they're taking these filmmakers who've proven themselves within the A24 system and they're letting them just do whatever they want to do. You saw it with Bo is Afraid with Ari Aster. Mm -hmm. Um, You're seeing it with this. And I think that it's really clear when you give a creative person or a director freedom, a filmmaker freedom, what they do with it. Do they succeed or do they flop with it? Do they, can they control themselves? Can they control their vision? Can they create a piece of art when the reins are off and you have money and you have ambition and you have size? what do you do with that size? For Ari Aster, for me, that was something incredibly disappointing that made me really start to question some aspects of him as a filmmaker. For the Daniels, it kind of reassured my vision. And like, no, these guys know what they're Mm -hmm. doing. And they're making not just like really talented art, but really meaningful art. You know, I really appreciate this as an immigrant story. I really appreciate this as a queer story. We're doing this with Pride Month. Like, I really appreciate that they have blended ambition and ability, which is something I mentioned quite a bit. I mentioned it with Chazelle with Babylon. I've mentioned it recently with multiple films where you, that is such a rare pairing to find in the modern cinematic le- universe is a director and filmmaker who will bring both ambition and ability, and the Daniels are doing that Almost flawlessly, which is like really quite incredible to see. Yeah, I mean th- those um, those
1: two themes you mentioned as well about the immigrant story and it, and it being um, v- incredibly a, a queer film. Those two elements are not un- undermined in the film either, which was another issue I felt like they were going to pinpoint. So because you we know, we've had this conversation about Disney all the time, and uh, it, not to go over uh, um, you know the same river, but we sort of, we see these beats and these 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 impl- um, implements of small characteristics that you just just feel empty, and it, it sort of just feels like this is just disappointing, but here it's, it's never underwhelming. It's sort of implemented in a really, again, organic, um, authentic manner. There's heart here. There's a genuine heart to get these stories in. And I think that, you know, you look at, um, where Michelle Yao um, originates from within her cinema. I think this film's incredibly risky for her career to do incredibly risky. And I think, and I suppose I think Jamie Lee Curtis as well who, 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 who's who got a, a trans child um it's just so good to sort of see people on board with that sort of idea of like this is just normal it never felt like it was like oh let's just put that in there and you know walk away it just felt really organic it felt like a wonderful little thing and you know it does it does speak on a little bit sort of like convention about you know the the elder generation not necessarily understanding the, the newer generation but that never ne- that never took away from the actual film itself the narrative for those who may find those things unappealing to watch um whoever they may be um but they were dealt with sort of splendidly i i, I it, in fact it made it far more immersed you know especially um contextually with i, I can't pronounce his name um, is it kihuan because i'm, I'm, I'm
0: kihuan yeah
1: i believe to hear his story at those Academy Awards, to be a PA on One Car Wise films uh, and be assistant director, not to have um, insurance for almost 10 years, to win an Academy Award for a performance is like, it's never really been done. And I think you look at that performance and it's just like, oh, you, just, you know, I'm just getting like, bo- um goosebumps just thinking about it as well. Um, that core dynamic of that family breaking apart. Um, Again, elevated to be a sci-fi drama, but but at the at the heart of it, there's a, there's a really good story of breaking away because of you know the uh, generations just sort of tearing each other apart. I, I, it, again, like it's just those those themes and those layers. It's like um, a layer cake. It's like it's just one, two, three, four, and again together into a screenplay. Like you said, it's like whoa. Oh get it on screen and not have it to cut it out. Which which I think in a, right. I, th- I think if this probably wasn't A24 and this was a big, big Warner Brothers production or Paramount or, you know, Netflix or Amazon Prime just for the sake of legality. Um I think that's the big thing that gets cut out as well here. I think let's get rid of the um the the queer storyline, let's get rid of the LGBTQ stuff. You know, we we can take it out it doesn't affect the film. But this stood by it and, and it, it elevates that, that material to be sort of a second level where you just think Oof, there's a lot going on here there's a lot and it, and, it, and it all works
0: yeah i mean but that's the thing it's not. it's not even that it works you mentioned with performances like the family the chemistry the emotions there it's not even it's a layered cake but it's multiple layered cakes we talk about the mm-hmm. variety of obviously this is a multiverse story i think it's probably one of the better multiverse stories as far as actually using the multiverse peace and love marvel i think this one's a little bit more yeah. engaging <laughs> I mean, at times I mean, both, yeah. um <laughs> Yeah. Um, The fact that it has such a variety where it will jump between absurdist humor of hot dog fingers on hands to, you know, heartbreaking, you know, drama to comedy to family drama. It jumps between so many genres and every single time the performances work and every single time the writing and direction and screenplay, they all work so well and it all comes together into such a coherent vision and story. Like this really is a sign of not just like, it's impressive enough. You can be one of the best films of the year by building one really beautiful layered cake. But the fact that this can make so many and it creates this bakery almost of like just excellence. It really is. I think one of the most underrated parts of the screenplay and, and of the performances and of just the entire technical direction. Um, you know, I, it's hard for me to imagine many filmmakers or talents that can make Rakakuni work <laughs> in the same world of, like, the heartbreaking mother-daughter relationship, and then they're also going to go be, like, rock. Like, it's just, it's so impressive that there's not, like, if for me at least... A really simple area here where I would say, oh, that's flawed or that's out of place yeah. or that doesn't work. It all comes together.
1: And I, th- and I think as well, Carson, I think if anyone reads that screenplay, um, actors or, or, or if it was me or you, I think those two sequences, and, and there's a few more there, uh, would be red flags because you'd think, hmm, okay, I'm not necessarily sure that. But to, to, to gravitate towards the directors and the vision as well, it, it's that vision that gets those actors um, through those sequences of, of, of doubt. And and for an actor not to doubt those sequences, again, the raccoon thing in particular is like the conversations they must have had and, and the emotion they must have put forward to that um, it must have been a compelling case. And to get to see that as well and, and to see an actor put 110% in behind those sequences and it to be like, just like sort of like <laughs> devastating to watch, Um again, just... Get, Feeds back to how creative and how energetic, but again, how structured they are with the work. Um, and and you know, to to read that this people thought this was twenty five million dollar budget, and they actually announced that actually was more like fifteen. Oh, like how many more ticks do these people want? Like it's everything you try to dissect this with. I I come back and I'm like, oh, wow, okay, fifteen models. And again, you, we we mentioned the sliding towards yeah. another multiverse of madness. Um, but this blows it out of the water like, to to a degree where um, I'd I'd be quite um, disappointed and shocked if I worked at a rival a rival um, rival a rival company that that rhymes with uh, rival um, and think wow because these are creatives who are not lambasted for the idea of having to do something having to put a character having to put a set piece in that the 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 freedom they've got under financial um, uh, scrutiny and financial issues uh the creativity that blossoms out of that to me is like whoa i i I love those stories you know because you you see people with 300 we're getting up to 350 400 million dollar epics now and to see something you know people say that like cinema is dead you know there's no passion anymore show them this just show them this 15 million dollars you know seven academy awards like you you have to sort of even for people who are not necessarily film fans to see the, the 15 million dollars to see where this got them and and every second every cent is worthwhile of what's on screen nothing is left uh, it's such an awe-inspiring story regardless of the uh, academy awards it's just them getting this on screen you know i don't think by i know we've given a24 some slack in the past uh, some mm-hmm. of it rightly deserved. probably some of it more, more more of a gimmick but um where credit is credit is due, this is this is an excellent addition to uh, to their sort of growing filmographer.
0: Hi, friends. As always, I hope you're enjoying this episode of ClapperCast. Not to interrupt too badly, but I wanted to come on and remind you that if you want bonus episodes of the podcast, go ahead and subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash ClapperCastPod. For only $3 a month, you can get access to our monthly bonus reviews and episodes. This month, we're taking a look at Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Absolutely brilliant piece of cinema. Um, that I really love discussing and talking about, and I hope you, I think you would enjoy it also. Um, so again, if you want to subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash clappercastpod, you help us do this and make this possible. Um, so I hope you would check it out, and I let's get back to the episode. So I'll post you a question that maybe is a bit of a big question, but like talking obviously about, you mentioned the film industry, the perception of it sometimes is that it's dead. I often see creators uh, looking at new releases who get opportunities, who seem to squander it. What would you say for like, for the film industry, the takeaway of the success of everything of Ever All At Once, like should be? Is it about originality that you think? Is it about execution? Like, what would you say for, if you, for the creators out there making films? who are looking desperately for box office returns they're desperately looking for critical acclaim in some cases like what about everything everywhere all at once would you say should be taken away as like that's the magic that made it literally on letterbox be the best film of all time for a few months
1: well i think this is a kind of broad question and, 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 and to, right. to to go to a, a slightly broader um answer i think not to sound like a, like a boomer, but I, I think we live in a generation now, um, specifically um, in digital formats where uh, we have bite-sized media. So it's 10, 15, three-minute seconds, um, 10, 15 seconds, two or three minutes to get a point across. You know, um, And I think ultimately everything's slightly on a plate now on a digital front. You know, The TikTok, you you get followers, you get this sort of uh, this relief. Film is a very difficult plane to be on. You know, there's people who just with decades. You know, look at Coppola, who's who's an incredibly um, rich man, not only in economics but also a tapestry of works. Could only just get *Megalopolis* um, um, shot, edited, and we'll see that the final results. Because there's been a few years on on set, I can imagine. But you know, David Lynch can't get a film made. You know, Netflix can't even produce one of one of his films. I think the idea here, the big message is that if you have a vision here, regardless of how, what depending on where you're from, depending on what ethnicity, what gender, whatever it, is, wherever it may be, if you have a vision for something that you desperately want to to show others in cinema, just stay with it. The amount of people you see who like who who don't want to spend more time on something because it's easier to do something else you can tell this has been a passion project for decades and it's just a prime example, not, not necessarily even originality. I think it it covers every point you just mentioned, originality box office, Academy Awards, when people put effort and love and affection and time, you know, people who who spent years making this, spent months preparing for it, you know, just to see that get to screen. I think even that on, on, just on 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 an emotional idea, is incredibly compelling, but I also it strengthens the argument of originality. You know, every every year we get this idea of, you know, there's 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 not many original original films, and you have the Marvel debacle. But it just sort of like caters to everything, and I think the overall argument there again just goes to that vision, just cre- create something. You know, even if this hadn't won the the plaudits of the Academy Awards and gone on to be um, seen by by thousands of millions of people, should I say? this will still have been seen and, and, and marvelled about how these creatives did what they did. And I think that's the positive, you know, I don't think these people made this film for it in order to get those Academy Awards. I think they had a vision of, I want to see this on on, on screen because nobody else is doing it. And and that passion is like the one thing I take away because you can feel that throughout this film. It bubbles. If when I watch something, especially when you watch directorial debuts or sophomore efforts, you know, you you feel a passion that specifically with sophomore efforts. I've just written a piece for right. the, the site about um, NS Men, um, the the Mark Jenkins film. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Bit. I think Bates an extraordinary piece of cinema, and I think I didn't. I don't like the, the the his sophomore effort. I'll let people read the review, but the the man got his vision on screen. If no, if no buts. They gave him the money. I want to make this. Well, Mark, you know, you can make anything you want. Yeah, I want to make this. I want to make a folk tale in Cornwall about a woman going mad on an island. Mm, Mark, you know, no, I want to make this. And it's that passion, that desire of getting it from A B to C. I love I love that, you know, creativity, all those elements. So I hope that answered your question. But um, if I were the Academy Award here, um, the Academy Awards, um, I'll be rubbing my fingers here because not only does this tick every avenue that the Academy Awards are sort of slightly um, being sloppy with in the in the last couple of years, right. um, for for um, an Asian actress as Michelle Yao to be the first one to win um, Academy Award, we're breaking down barriers, and what a film to do it in as well. Not not something it feels like right. the artist, you know, or some Wes Anderson shit, right. you know. It, it's nice that this was a compelling piece of originality. Um, Right. And the only one thing with all those things that come is the issue of what's next, you know, and I hope that they ride this. I hope they ride into the sun and be like, take a few years, you know, think, think about what you want to do. Right. But I, 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 th- this is a thing where the, the, just, I, again, it's like the originality about of it. I'm so excited to see what they do next. If, if I don't like it, I don't like it, but I'd be so glad for them to do something so original. You know, those ideas, right. those voices are very important.
0: I think it's fascinating seeing this film that really is so designed, and I think some of this is subconscious, some of this is conscious, for the modern audiences. I get that there's this rejection of so much of like new, not to be like a boomer, but like there are boomers who are like anti, obviously some things are warranted, like AI and such, but things you mentioned like attention spans and stuff. And this film in a lot of ways when you really break it down is meant to be consumed by modern audiences. And I feel like so often that is looked down upon. And because it's looked down upon, it comes like the trashiest Netflix originals, just like, oh, we're making this with the cheapest effort we can and screenplay and execution. This shows you can have something that changes. And like, obviously us and film fans who are like diehard film fans enjoy slow brooding pieces, but the modern, like especially younger audiences really genuinely don't like engage in film how we do. So I don't think it's something that should be like scoffed at. And I think this really proves If you put passion, effort, inspiration and craft into it, which you can, the results can still be moving. They can still be incredible pieces of cinema. This moves very rapidly with editing and with jokes, which plays so well for younger audiences who have attention spans that are the length of a TikTok and they're Mm -hmm. used to scrolling. Hey, it's Rakakuni, okay, swipe, now Mm -hmm. it's this, now it's that. It is so defined by modern audiences. I was watching a great video. If I find it, I'll link it below. On how this film is like inspired by the internet and living on the internet mm-hmm. and having access to everything everywhere all the time. Um, and it's just it's so refreshing to see a film that holds that identity, but doesn't take that as an excuse to just be lazy trash. And I don't know why that connection hasn't been made by more people that you can still have both. I feel like it's just again, the people who want to put passion into a film are bitter that we're not making, you know, these great uh you know, the Paul Schrader films are not necessarily what the kids are eating up anymore, let's <laughs> say. Um, but I don't know, it's just, it still can be done so well. And if we want cinema to exist, if we want film to continue to be respected and analyzed and specifically speak to younger generations on a wider mainstream attraction it's going to take films like everything everywhere all at once to make that a reality at least that's how i see it
1: yeah i mean onto that point as well about you 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 talking about it being crafted for a sort of a millennial audience but you look at the cast list there's nothing millennial about it you know you've you've got uh, james hong who who is a, a chinese american legend on screen you know to the J- john Camden's in the 80s this even the 70s you know, there's not many modern day audiences who will know that name. He's just got his um, Hollywood star the Walk of Fame as well, which is excellent. Jamie Lee Curtis, who's who's you know, the the uh, the lady from Halloween. You know, that's what modern day audiences know her as. You know, she's she's been a screen queen since the '70s. And she comes from Hollywood royalty, um, Tony Curtis. You know, um, and then then you've got you know, Michelle Yeah, uh, who's Again, action cinema, and Hong Kong cinema in the eighties, Super uh, Supercorp police force with Jackie Chan, Cajun Tiger, Hidden Dragon. These are these are performers who are have, have not been sort of quiet, you know. They haven't been found. Um the, these are people who who have worked an incredible amount of time within an era of film, um, seventies, eighties, and specifically the nineties with Michelle Yao as well. Um, and who have dipped their toes into larger things, you know. Marvel properties, Halloween, the second coming of Halloween with the David and Green trilogy. Um, but that's not... I, I think that's a wonderful combination to have um, a millennial sort of attitude of this film, but direct it at those people utilising a sort of generation before, uh, before them and even before that, you know? I think that's a, a wonderful masterstroke because they could easily have got the next big thing in here, but they don't. There's a reason why they chose an actor who hadn't been in a production for 20 years. And that foresight to sort of implement these three performers, four performers, and not necessarily play them at archetype level. I don't think Jamie Lee Curtis plays, you know, Laurie Strode here whatsoever. I think it's very far from it, especially, I know we joke, but again, to bring the tonal level of hot dog fingers when they embrace, I don't want to leave any spoilers. Um, Who could do that? Who could do that except for this film? And, and you know, you, that scene in the alleyway, um, again, I don't want to suppose, after a, after a film, oh, my God. Like, I know that's been memed out of, out of, of uh, Oblivion, but the foresight. I know, I know people could say that that's just tactile, like, all oh, that you know, it's a once in a blooming opportunity You don't get four. You just don't. Maybe one, maybe two. You don't get four performers at that level. You just don't, it's def- especially with uh, Stephanie, is it Stephanie Sue, you said as well. Yes. I believe yeah. You. So. You. So, so You don't. You don't get. Let's say five. That there right. is a is a is a conscious decision that has been crafted, um, and to get that foresight there is like, oof. you know. I think you look at like um ensemble pieces of lit. I've not been impressed with. Anything. I think the last one I watched where people were like, oh, this is good. is like there's the French Dispatch, and I think if I think the last good one was was probably uh, Dune or or even Endgame, but those those films. Are very different in the idea of there's all obviously there's one central story but there's there's teams everywhere here there was there was five people who were giving it everything in fact do you know I, I, to be hyperbolic here but i, I would, I'd, I'd probably state this anyway i would show people uh um acting classes i would show the final confrontation um, outside the laundry between mother and daughter And I would see, and I would show that sequence outside the cinema in the alleyway. That I think they're just, I just majestic, aesthetic composition, craft performance. Jesus Christ! Like I think you you couldn't break those down to be any better. You know, you just can't. You really can't. And I think those melding of those new and old together, especially with the form of the films or the themes. Oh, you know, I I just there's nothing really to describe that. There really isn't. Um, you know, but there, there are, <laughs> there are certain things I, I think that or if, if you wanted to discuss that first or you want me to go into, it, I, I think there are.
0: No, go for it. Cause I, I mean, I just agree those scenes are like yeah. masterpieces, yeah. right? What else can you say?
1: <laughs> How also as well, um, just before I get to that, there are really organic references in this film. One car, why there, that sequence, um, looks like 2046 in the mood for love, uh, but doesn't feel the homage in the way that, oh my God, that's what they're doing. it feels organic the amount of matrix references I found in this, I was like, that's not my name. The bullet where, where she stops a bullet. Um, there's even sort of a musical cue when um, she stands up and she, she does the, 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 the Neo thing. And it has like a cue from, from a Don Davis's score. Um, but that's just me as a fan, but anyone watching that, I think regular would, would probably just see those as wow. Like the really nice little moments, but they organically put them through, but you know, all good things, can't last. There's two things I have I don't, I don't particularly understand with this film, um, and it's not narrative, believe it or not. The first one is I don't think this needs to be this long. I I, I think there's multiple things here we can cut out, and, and and I do respect the fact that again passion project, but I think not to contradict ourselves, but you've got to understand that um, ego is inflated with this sort of things because it's a baby, and you don't wanna you don't wanna start taking things away. Uh, and I know they've been quite hard on this film and taking sequences out and edits and stuff like that because there, were, there was going to be Barbie Girl by Aqua, which I'm glad they took out because that undercuts the emotional content in the last 20 minutes or so. Um, but there are multiple things here where it, it could be edited down. I mean, the first chapter is 55 minutes long, and granted, there's there's a, there's a lot of exposition to to get through there, but I think you could easily take 20 minutes out of there. I think easily.
0: I think if you wanted to scrutinise it. Or- or remove the framing device cuz you sit yeah. there and then like you get part 1 you almost forget that happens yes. like yeah. and then you get 55 minutes in and you hit part 2 and it's not that it's like even bad what you're watching but you're well aware that you've watched that there's going to be three parts you can put that together really easily and you get that there is you've watched 55 minutes of film and you're sitting there and you're like, wow, I'm gonna have to do that two more times. And even if it's good, mm-hmm. it does not feel like you're one third of the way through the story. And granted with the runtime, you don't actually sit through that long. I think that is like one of the most wildly ineffective moments in the film is just sitting there and then being conscious of like, oh, this is a third of the way when it's not. But do you, do you don't think know, that, do that doesn't do it for me.
1: At, on first glance, they may not have had faith in the narrative itself. Do you think that they had to sort of double down in like, part one, part two, because it is long and it is sometimes quite conflicted in exposition and narrative and plot. I, I think that they probably, in the edit room, was like, I don't think average audiences perhaps will have an idea of what's going on, which which again, I think for the tone of this film is probably fair enough because you don't know how audiences are going to p- perhaps take it. But it's so engaging on an emotive level. I think you forget oftentimes about things, story arcs, Coming full circle, and I think they do a majestic job anyway. But I think I, I you you agree, incredibly ineffective, pointless to a degree yeah. anyway. Um, and I I think I think you mentioned this before, but I'm I'm not going to double down on this just because you said this. But I think this is a fact. I don't <laughs> quite understand how Jamie Lee Curtis has gotten got an Oscar for this film. I just I just, you know, I think throughout it, I was wondering like I'm waiting for that scene for each one of them, and 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 to be fair, it do, it does come with the direct family. Um. The end between Michelle Yao and, and 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 her daughter is like, oh, you know, really compelling. So because there there's trying to be a barrier broken down there, a barrier that that it isn't going to be broken down easily, but you can just see a bit of the crumbs fall down, a bit 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 broken pieces. I mean, to get that through um, on a on a on a storytelling level, but a script level is outstanding, and performance is good. But there's nothing throughout this film where I'm like Jamie Lee Curtis was exceptional. Um, I didn't quite understand that because I was I was just waiting for that sequence. And I thought it was going to come when they have a sort of embrace. I thought that was going to be a monologue, but that didn't really turn out how I thought it was going to do. And then I thought they were going to have a conversation on the bench, if if you're aware of when it happens. And I didn't particularly feel moved by that either.
0: Um, so I mean, I really couldn't tell you. Yeah, I-, <laughs> I really have no explanation. I'm at the point where I'm like, I think the performance is good. I think specifically towards the end, both in the hot dog universe and her narrative there and on the bench and like that sequence. I think she's good. I do not see an argument other than like, we want to reward everybody. And this was a name like, hey, we've never rewarded that. and We would like to reward her because like she's cool, which I get. But also like, that's not what we should be giving awards for, in my opinion. No,
1: I think precisely my my point at the beginning about not necessarily trusting the Academy Awards to begin with, but to know that there's one actress here who didn't get it and one actress that did, not to put them against each other, but there's a different class of performance on screen, but also within depth of character. Um, And the fact that one has been incredibly robbed here and is not spoken about. um, I mean, to be Academy Award nominee, I mean, everyone's going to go home necessarily happy there. Um, But when we talk about probably deserved, you know, I think there needs to be some.
0: Sort of, um, I mean, there. to be honest, she's my number one performance in the film. Yeah, so I, the I, I don't. If I had to pick one performance here, I was like, oh, that should be the one. This it's the one who didn't yeah. get rewarded because
1: this you, you often forget when watching it that there's protagonist and antagonist. There's such a divisive um, tone there where she walks over and it's incredible. Like the the, the, the first scene when you watch out the elevator again, throw back to the Matrix as well. Um, walking out the whole sequence there the tonal difficulty to achieve that and project that is outstanding i think i think certain people watched that um with the academy award screeners and thought shit because that's i'm not on that level and these people may have won an academy award before um i think it's on a level where i i would have thought that that just would have been a seasoned season actress and looking at the filmographer it doesn't necessarily re- report back to that so again it just double downs on being impressed i mean she's incredible to, to juggle that tone and to deliver those monologues
0: you know I th- and to just give like genuinely i would say like that scene in the elevator like it's hard to have a performance and i'm like this does not take away from the emotional depth or like the gravitas there but like it's truly iconic yes like I, that's just how I walk away from it is like truly what she gives in this film is iconic. And, it doesn't feel and full I full don't, you either, say that word listen
1: Nothing feels for. Absolutely. And again, that's talking about trust. You've got to trust that filmmaker because that could ruin a career, that sequence. Because there's so much tone there where, it, even again with the context of it is ridiculous, but th- I think that would probably be my least of my, my issues there because you've got to trust your filmmaker. Um, but also I think the filmmaker's got to trust the performer to achieve that. And I think every beat, every every heart beat in, in that sequence, she just nails. Like, it, it's not even a question about, no, you know, it's just flawless. And again, to sort of, it just, it flows in and out, in and out, in and out. It, it, it's, it's genuinely sort of moving. And without those sequences, it doesn't ripple back down to the end either. There's so much craft that just, like, flows. Um, again, like, just like, like a, like, like a, a river like there's there's a there's a a really beautiful flow to it, but it's always running, it's always going to a destination, and without those comedic sensibilities where she can just twitch like that, granted she's often saved by an edit that doesn't you know it's not a natural live performance. she isn't going from a b b c very much like McAvoy's did, which I think is again in split and glass, which is a vastly underrated performance. This is a little bit different because she is saved by the edit but but alas, she still has to produce that that material. And she's astonishing. But again, when you put that towards the others as well, she probably out outdoes probably the probably the whole cast. She really does. And I was waiting for her sequence because the, the film chooses to sort of not necessarily shadow her because of the context of the narrative, you know, we when she plays protagonist and and someone else. Um it does make you wait for that. And I was very worried because I was like, uh, you know, there's there's a there's a lingering feeling here that we're forgetting about someone. But just about when you think this is over, it just uh ah, pulls me back in, as Alpacino once said.
0: Um, I would say my other not complaint, because again, like I really do think this film is great, but like my one thing that especially on a third watch really got me is I think that the logic of the film, and not to be like an absolute prude and annoying <laughs> person, like goes to sci-fi and is like, it doesn't make sense. Um I don't really get a lot of times I'm saying that in the film. And I'm like, I don't really... Like, I get what's happening narratively. Like, I get the weight of everything that's happening. I don't really get how she put everything on a bagel. That's my truth. Um, Maybe it's just me. But I think that when you have this high concept sci-fi, especially on rewatches, the logic of the world has to... You should be able to be able to figure out what is happening logically in the world. Because on a rewatch, when you've had those emotions and you understand what's happening, you're going to start dissecting that more in your mind. And for me on a rewatch, it really bothered me how I was like, I don't really get like logically what is happening. Because they set up this pretty easy multiverse world where, yeah. okay, you can get the thoughts of the other people and you can get their memories and like, okay, I get all that. But it just keeps expanding bigger and bigger. And eventually by the end, it's almost like an illogical quilt of these scenes And worlds and perspectives, and while emotionally it's all great, I think the logic could have been cleaned up a lot better, especially for a film that's two hours twenty minutes long. There's runtime here to display the world and build the world and define the world. Uh, It's just not taken, and that frustrated me a little bit. Again, that's not you know killing the film. It's not the biggest thing in the world. Um, but I'll just kind of rewatch that bothered me a little bit. I
1: think I I'll probably come to the same conclusion eventually anyway, because th- this is a film where you, you're sort of flawed by by the um by the performance. And I, I think it does quilt, blanket quite a few things, um, uh, most definitely. I, and again I think it goes back to that nature of of um it being sort of quite chaotic but crazy in a good way. But there's also a lot of stuff here where it um I think if you if you watch it the second time and third time what you have, I do I probably would agree with the fact that once you get out the performances and you understand, you know where the direction's going, and stuff like that, and you start looking for these layers of of narrative, um, I think it will become slightly convoluted. in The fact that I think people just threw that in there to be to be sort of crazy, and I, I don't, it doesn't take anything away from it from me anyway. I think it, it probably eventually would do because I'm like, right, I'm trying to dissect this now, and this just feels silly. But I feel like a lot of it's just a digital afterthought as well. You know, to like to to because we're making a crazy film, we've sort of got to make it quite crazy, you know? And I think with some cases it works because, you know, when, when the gun goes to her mouth and she she, she vapes on it, that's a creative um, thing where well, on the day that's hilarious, nine months later, that might just be silly, might just be a meme. I think when she attacks the guard with the dildos as well, again, on the day, hilarious, but nine months down the line, that might be an issue where it's like, it's oh, not very funny anymore. Um, but the comedic level isn't... It's a, I think it works layers, but narratively, like, I do think you're correct where there's nothing more to it than it it's a bagel. Okay. Are we just going to accept that because it's, it's a bit, you know, crazy? Are we going to out there? I think that's what the lines drawn. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh. You know, because cause it's so multifaceted and it's so layered. You expect them to be slightly more, you know, there's more to it. And perhaps for the sake of the film maybe there isn't do you think do you think if there was more let's say on your first initial run though if you because there's a lot there to swallow there really is isn't there do you think if there was sort of again you'd have to sort of um, make it slightly less convoluted with exposition which then adds to the running time
0: so perhaps it's like having having a cake in time for me i think it's kind of a yes and because like Yes, you would have to explain it more in ad scenes of probably exposition, but also I'd probably feel like you'd have to remove quite a bit of the silliness, which I guess like a, yeah. I would say an overall plus to the comedy. I don't think if you're trying to build like the logic to this world, it'd be very weird in the Matrix for them to go and be like, well, this is the bagel, right? Like yeah. you have to remove part of the silliness, which I guess is an identity of the film and like a core piece of the film. And I'm not at all against the silliness in the film. Um, so I think it's a yes. And I, I think a lot of it just like reallocating the runtime, yeah. especially in that beginning 55 minutes at times is needed. I also will just say like with pacing, it really, it got me in the first watch and I don't know if it got you at all. You quickly realize because you go into this office building for their audit, yeah. and you're like, okay, this is just like a scene and we're moving on. And then you very quickly become aware once it gets like halfway through the film, like we're not leaving. Yeah. This and that really building. annoyed me
1: as well. I wouldn't say annoyed me. I'll tell you that about. It, it was slightly because you, you, if I hadn't if I've seen this blindly, I don't think it would have affected me more, but because of the fact that again contextually this sort of setting up a really big idea, but we're limited to where we are, sort of felt like claustrophobic in a strange, stupid way, um but thankfully on because it opens up, I was like, oh, okay, but you are right once excuse me, once you realize you're not going anywhere, I was like, oh okay, so we're gonna do sort of like a cube thing here, or we're gonna do um you know. Uh, it's like, that's sort of the limitations of budget, and then it sort of takes so long. I can't sort of de- detect if that's a contextual idea where we're going to suffocate because the amount of times where we're in an open space when we go to a closet, then we're in an open space. there's sort of that just ju- ju- juxtaposition where it's quite like six or seven times, and I'm like, oh god, I don't know if this is like their idea of trying to make me claustrophobic, and then the film blossoms. Maybe, maybe, maybe again. I, that's where I'm sort of confused because watching the film and in its tarantar, I would sort of probably accept that's a reality. That's what they tried to do. But in the same token, that's a lot of lot of subconscious ideas going in there as a filmmaker. And if that if that's correct, then they should be psychologists because it definitely feels effective, but it definitely feels weighted as well.
0: Though I think also, like, when you look at the film, there's so many other things the film actively does that accomplishes similar things, such as changing the um, size of the frame. Yes, but... We're like, yeah. that to transition... Yes, aspect ratio. Moving that into the action sequences and changing... That's a very effective way to change the perception of the space and the energy of a scene and the visual identity of the feature. I don't think it's needed to go hide in a stairwell after every single moment. Like, I just feel like there's so much the film does so well... And then there's these little things that whether you want to give meaning to them or not, it just, it's not to the same level from a viewing experience. Um, So even if that was in there, I just don't think it was needed. I I think you accomplished that already. Um, I also just don't think it helps that the office building is like a very boring, like location. There's not a lot to do there. There's not a lot to see. The iconography is very stale. Even if like, I don't know what the best alternative is. Maybe it's like a mall or something, but just like something where there's variety and I can, it's just, I can't sit there for two and a half hours just seeing the cubicles. It's just not as interesting as you want it. Yeah. To.
1: I mean, they even they even go consciously to sort of reference Jurassic Park in there. And again, the matrix where I run through the cubicles. And at that point I was like, oh, okay, Right. Because that I didn't really know what I was getting into at that point. Because obviously I, I didn't know very much about the screenplay or the plot. Really, I went into quite blind. Um, I'd only ever seen the uh, the taxes meme, which uh, I was like, "Oh, okay, this is strange. I wonder what I'm watching." Um, so I, again, like, there's also like um, a tonal thing there because you, it's sort of very comedic in the first fifty minutes, and then it changes to something a bit more. Oh, okay, we're gonna we're gonna go to a second gear, but it, it maintains that level of comedic comedic entity. And and, uh, and and sort of let's say action drama doesn't really come into it past that that first first chapter, doesn't it? So you you very much prescribed a, a, a thing of monotonous comedic drama. No, sorry, monotonous comedic action. And those thing three, three things a manager toi wouldn't say go together very well, you know. So th- yeah, again, like you said, I think I probably would subscribe to that, that. That there's um an idea of let's just throw it in. Let's just throw it in. And I think, again, to be more ruthless, I think you could definitely cut cut some of those sequences down. Specifically, again, going back into the closet, coming back out of the closet, going back into it again, you know? It just feels like, oh, okay. It just feels repetitive. And I think there'll be a lot of people who perhaps won't make it past those 55 minutes to to see a really blossom film. Um, and, again...
0: Well, that's the most common thing for people who try to show their parents, because yes. I've heard this from literally like 10 people, is that their parents get like 45 minutes to 50 minutes in and they say, OK, I've seen this and it's enough. Like, I'm done, I th- I which I don't blame them for.
1: Like, yeah, I think my parents too. I can imagine my dad watching this and be like, nothing happens in it. I am like, yeah, you, you yeah. have to watch it. But then, you know, the the, the the stuff out there for, again, we talk about audiences goes back to that level of, you know, there's a Mission Impossible movie, like there's James Bond, there's, there's, there's far more action oriented films. So it's interesting how this is gonna have legs, I'll say, because I think I don't think I'll watch this again in in a long time. Obviously, because I've just seen it is is, is, a, is a is a catalyst for that. But I didn't I don't know because you've seen it three times. and asked you a question here, but I don't feel the necessity to go back and see this. I've, I watched it. No, I
0: agree. <laughs> is that is that
1: just you being the cinephile you are?
0: Well, because I, well, like each time I had an excuse. So I watched it when it first came out, and then I rewatched it because I was rewatching, trying to rewatch all like the best picture winner or um, nominees. And then I rewatched it for this podcast. I will not say I've ever had a day where I woke up after seeing it the first time and been like, ooh, really want to watch Everything Everywhere today. Um, Hmm. I don't think it's been like, it's not the worst film to rewatch by far, um, but it's not one that I see myself revisiting. Cause if I want to see the Daniels, I'm going to throw on Swiss Army. Yeah, That's a movie yeah. I casually rewatch. I just don't think even though the ending, or if I was going to rewatch this casually, I'd probably genuinely just skip the first fifty minutes. Cause I think the second half of this is where like the emotions kick in. Like everything really kicks in to high gear towards the end of the yes. film. Um, I don't see why I would rewatch the first fifty minutes of this film again, unless I was going to have another discussion about it or something. Yeah,
1: I, 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 and again, I don't think that's anything to, towards the, uh, the the pleasure of actually seeing the film. I just think it's probably more, more of a, a tactile thing where um, it does its job. Like you're, it's in and out. And I appreciate that. There's nothing here where I need to go watch this again. Um, there's probably there'll probably be elements I've missed where I'm like, oh, that that elevates this. That undermines that maybe a score would perhaps change, um, but I think that the, to the credit of the film, it's in and out. It's in and out. I just wish that if you shave half an hour of this, even twenty minutes, more people can go see this. It becomes more accessible. Your vision doesn't really get changed very much. But granted, it's, it's easy to say that um, as a viewer, not the artists themselves. Um, but yeah, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't run to this anytime soon. But um, in the pantheon of best picture winners, it's definitely up there and to be a commercial success, which is a surprise as well. Perhaps that's why they chose it. I don't know. we'll talk about that right. in a minute with, with, uh, with what you've got lined up because that's a really interesting question you're going to ask soon as well. I was really, really stuck on
0: that. We'll get there. I think just moving this into closing thoughts, you know, we're back to classic Clappercasts where I watch a film and I'm like, I talk about it. I'm like, yeah, I'll bump it up half a star or a star. Like, I do think this film is good. I think I definitely can live with the best picture win. I don't think it's perfect. Mm -hmm. I think it's very odd, the fan base on Twitter, Mm -hmm. who have really taken this to, like, be their film. And I don't even mean that in, like, I, like straight 50 year old white men i don't really get why Whoa. there's such a that's a that's a, just being true that's a strange <laughs> thing, i don't get it? why there's such a um personal like this is my film do not talk about it there's no complaint yeah, that's a strange or one. i'll cry i think that's strange yeah. i think it's very odd but i do think this film again such a great blending of inspiration and ability i think the daniels continue to impress not my favorite film of theirs but still really strong and i'm happy that a film like this not only got made but it went on to have success because hopefully this is something that studios can then look at and say, Hey, we can make choices like this. We can make these films. And there is a pathway here for like originality if you put the effort in. So hopefully we just get more of that. Cause again, I do think it has been lacking overall, especially in mainstream examples like this. Yeah. I mean,
1: it's interesting because the the only thing that worries me now is how, what, what its legs have got because once a, a group of people, of uh, 50, uh, these fifty these year old males on Twitter, galvanised to sort of own something, it it sort of stagnates its legacy because it becomes attached to that. Um, I remember when Hereditary came out and Midsummer and Ari Aster was like the, the Twitter, um, golden child. Um, but those films, they they lived in a, in, a, in an era where Hereditary felt like a mainstream independent horror and Midsummer did something that was kind of like, oh, this is is this comedic? Is this not? Because those conversations going on. Um, but I don't feel I don't feel that Midsummer had the legs that people wanted it to. And I get, granted those films are in the pan, pantheon for a reason, but they don't seem to have legs. Do you think this does genuinely have
0: legs? I. I question right now, and maybe it's just like, I don't know if it's not, I don't know what it is, but like, I really question if any film has life. Yeah. I've seen this every single year where there is the Twitter favorite or the mainstream favorite. It was Power of the Dog, well, it was, you know, all these films, whatever it was, whether it's good or bad, right? And the Twitter conversation with how it works, just like, you get that and you talk about it until april and then it dies and no one's ever talked about coda no one has ever mentioned power the dog online since the oscars barely anyone is talking about everything everywhere at once anymore it was everywhere in april and i think this is doing a little bit better i think definitely the actual like academy award wins the box office I do think there is more of a cultural identity here. And I think we're seeing that specifically with the talents involved going on to their next projects. And they have that new social presence that really is valuable that you mentioned they didn't have going into the film. I do think this is definitely a leg up on all of them. But I don't know if in 15 years or 10 years, let's say, this is going to be seen as like, I just don't know if we're going to get the classics of cinema in the same presence that we've had before. We have a film like The Godfather or, you know, whatever film where it's oh, that is like a staple of cinema. That is something special with how the conversation is now. I think everyone just gets it out until the Oscars and they play their games with like, oh, I stand this film and then it dies. And it takes a film like Babylon, for example, not to bring up a weird example, but like that's a film that on release got very mixed reviews, got very little attention. It has built and built and built because everyone didn't say just everything they had to say about that movie when it released. Um, But I really do question if we're ever going to get a film with like that powerful legacy, like we've had the classics of the past. Yeah, I don't think
1: this will have a second wind, but I think it will maintain an era of let's watch something crazy. Let's put that on. Like, can you believe this one? Best picture. Like, can you believe? Like, like, isn't it? Like, and then people will talk about the community nature of it. I think it will have legs, um but I, I, I just don't think it will have the fury because it because it's hit such a height in its birth. You know, there's only one way you can go up, and and. And cinema is such sort of a routine thing where you know it's a year by year basis with with Academy Award nature as well, which this got its head stuck into. Um, and maybe God, oh, this is crazy to say, but maybe in ten years we'll talk about this um, as the Academy Award probably being its poison, where it's like, oh, but it's that Academy Award thing, you know. Perhaps if it didn't do that well critically, or not necessarily critically, but Academy Award wise. Um, I think we probably have the same conversation as Babylon in a way. I haven't seen Babylon yet. I'm going to have to watch it tomorrow because you've, you've sort of messed me to watch it now because I know you've been you've asked me like twice so all about it. Um, it just didn't show here, which is another thing where um, this didn't show in a particularly great amount where I was from. You had to go to a major sitter, um, which I think when it releases on DVD and, and, and Blu-ray and stuff like that and digital media, I still think this will have a life. It's just it's just been very interesting to see in five years um, where this goes. Because the, the worry, and again, I talk about the Matrix thing, and not to, like, die on that hill, but I think it's interesting comparing the two because they feel like definitive ideas from creators that you can tell they sort of want to put to bed, but it's so creative and fulfilling. That thing in the back of the head is like, why don't we just go back? And I can see it in a world where we can get a part two and a part three, and I'm not against something like that. I like these characters, but I think, you know, I hope that vision is still with them. But I would prefer to see original films, I think. But but that, that that's not not to say I think there's definitely legs here. Um not necessarily even socially, but contextually to sort of see where this goes.
0: I'd love to be back in
1: that world. It's crazier. And there's so much more to be touched upon as
0: well. Um but it's wild how this film Marvel can like not to shout on Marvel. I actually really like rds 3 <laughs> But like I haven't seen it yet. It's wild how that, is a franchise that literally has spent decades building this multiverse. They've had the biggest team probably you can create in modern cinema to create like with the sole goal of get people invested in this world and universe, and they have just failed. And then this film comes around and like, yeah, I do want to go back in the world. It is exciting. It is intriguing. Like, it's just it is like actually quite baller yeah. to like just outshine Marvel like this. I don't know
1: if you, if you want to keep this in, you can keep this in. If you're not, I'll put I'm pulling the stand. I think one thing to watch this people as well, uh, um, not these people, fucking to watch this film, should I say, is the people it engages with, because I saw a character in here, I saw when I was 13, a short round, a kid who who was in the Goonies' as Data, my childhood films. I'm not that old, but I did watch them when I was little. I just want to clarify, I'm not fucking 55. But... you're not young. No, no, no. Who is hitting 60 this year? Um... You know, he's 20 years old, Miranda. Um, yeah, keep that in. He'll like that. But, you know, I remember watching, like, Data and I remember watching Short Round and, like, loving it, and not seeing that person for years. And I think even even regardless about the Academy Awards, to, to, to see the actor, like, just on screen again and nail it, fucking nail it, I was like, yes, I'm here. I don't care about anything else. I'm just glad to nail it. The problem with, with other films like that is, like, it's such, like, a roaring success to see these actors get something, you know, to see James Hong get something, you know, it's it's just like rewarding. And then when you see certain people in the MCU who Marvel can't seem to do a fucking CBR check to just check someone's background, you just don't find compelling nature to watch those again. I mean, again, on the motive is not to get into it because there's probably lawsuits everywhere about it, but they have majorly fucked up there by not doing the due diligence of looking into people's backgrounds. And you know, and, and granted, I'm not someone who like wants to cancel everyone. I'm not in that crowd whatsoever. But there's a difference between saying something on Twitter ten years ago as a joke and doing actually bodily harm to a loved one. And I think the difference there to root again, root for this film is it's human, and it's a roaring success. It's a it's a heartwarming story to see an actor get fulfilled again. A guy's gonna get work. He's gonna be on our screens again. You know, he won an Academy Award. I can't. I'm so happy that it says his name there didn't have health insurance for t- for t- almost a decade but he's got a golden statue, which will probably be in his toilet you know but that's amazing I-, I love that but i can take myself out of the film i think that elevates this film something shocking to a degree where i'm like i just f- I fell in love with it again you know and I-, I don't think those films because they're so plasticized and and crafted in a-, in a very silly manner um you know it's like get off twitter i think is a good idea for these people now you know Stop saying that like the Lord is giving you loads of precious things, and you don't see your kids and stuff like that. You know, you need, but you understand what I mean. It's like there's a there's a point, you're there's, right. a, yeah, there's a point where like <laughs> let the let the material speak and let, be your own person away from that. Um, and this film embodied that for me. You know, it was more of a it was not only just a roaring success for these characters, but also as performance as well. I just don't think a lot of cinema has that. You know, we all we all like um, yeah. An American underdog, and it's nice to see someone back. You know, Bar Mel Gibson. I think that's that. That's <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. It's, there's a few I can think yeah, of. Sure, <laughs> there's definitely a few. Like you know, I don't know how many fingers we've got here, but we've we've got plenty to sort of count on that. But um, it's just it's it's nice to see someone get rewarded for something they, they fully deserved, right. rather than having the last name right. or you know, you know. I, I think that adds to the film as well.
0: Well, I think it's so interesting. I mean, not we really probably should. I don't really (laughs) want a full rant about Marvel, but like it is interesting seeing. I think continually people have lost the idea that human, like as humans, we care about humans, right? Like, I think even if you look at the original MCU, one of the biggest draws of that was the cast. And not just like because they play characters or they're fun, but like they would go on press tours again. Like, there really was that human element backing up the film where you care about, you know, Chris Evans, you care about Robert Downey Jr., right? They have a chemistry there. They have a human connection at the base of this superhero story. This is a very obviously science fiction, absurdist film, but there's that human yes. connection, not because the characters, and yes, the character work is incredible but it's the humans. It's at the award show, seeing them genuinely celebrate each other and seeing that genuine human connection. That means something. And as cinema, we've lost that. And it's pretty cool for this film, not only to show that, but show that while making a film that's so dedicated to the modern ideals of like storytelling and connections. Um, I just feel like we've lost that, but this is one of those films that understands that. Do you
1: think that was the era of the Academy Awards this year
0: with the nominees? Do you think that was a major theme of all of them? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, for sure. And I think we, yes, I think it's been a trait that's been starting previously, but I think this is the year where it really fully came into fruition, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Which is good. (laughs) Um, So I think, obviously, we recommend you watch Everything Everywhere All at Once. You can find it streaming in the US on Showtime and obviously available wherever you find films. Let's get into our question of the week, Jack. You kind of preluded to it. If we had to pick a film, not saying that everything doesn't deserve it, but if we had to pick another film to win Best Picture at the Oscars last year, or I guess technically this year for last year, what film would we pick? Jack, I'll let you go oh, first. You what film are you picking?
1: I'm going to go for one silly one, and I'm, I'm actually I'm going to give you three. I'm going to give you a silly one, one that I think probably would should have won, and one which I would have liked to have won. Uh, I'm going to start with a silly one. I would have loved Top Gun to win. Okay. Yep. <laughs> uh, I, I I know you're a part of this, but I know it speaks more to the uncut gems crowd. Tony Scott's a god in the house. You know, you don't get to the Flash podcast and talk about um, t- Tony Scott, and you sp- say anything, you know, you, you don't get away with it. Um, and I was worried when that film was announced. I think because you know Cash Cow, and we talk about the human element. The man who, who sort of brought that aesthetically to screen is no longer with us, and to see it be brought back. Granted, it is Cruise's monopoly. Don't get me wrong, but there's a there's a certain part there that's not there um and I miss this in the cinema because I, I had to go get married um and uh, I watched it on the plane and to tell you I wanted to go fly that plane home was was genuinely sort of amazing I adore Top Gun Maverick I've seen it nine times my letterbox won't state that because I, I don't really want to have the conversation with anyone but I've I adore that film I find it so uplifting and granted there's a there's a lot to sort of Object with sort of the military aspects of it and stuff like that, but the humanized character would be so compelling, and it should have been absolutely worthless. I would have loved that to have won in a in a world of you know <laughs> my ideas, but um, but no, the one that I'm very surprised didn't win, and we talked about um, human characters. I was surprised the Failbumans didn't win. Now, the Academy Award. I mean, you're best suited to talk about this, so please like interject. But we, the Academy Award, loves up its own arse it loves to talk about cinema within cinema the artists you know the i just felt the fablemans especially through spielberg and it touching on the ideas of like john ford and stuff like that um, i haven't seen it yet i'm gonna watch it in a couple of nights i've got a lot to watch i've been watching fucking poker first by russell Crowe, but we'll get into it later um i was just sort of, i was really surprised when it had everything for me um uh, and again Spielberg to get that extra stretch because I quite like West Side Story. I know and there's another person there that shouldn't be in that film again. Um, but you but you know, I really like that film and I don't like musicals and I don't particularly like Spielberg's latter work, but I was like so compelled. I was like, Maria, I was like really into it in cinema. Um, the one I, I wish would have won, and I watched this twice because I didn't understand if I'd liked it the first time, is Martin McDonagh's who's uh, Bunches of been sharing. Um, and I think this is it's wildly wild to say, but it has a lot in common with the film we've touched on today um, from a very different avenue where perhaps where everything, uh, everything all at once perhaps ends. Martin Madonna, who's film touches on in, in very darker subjects, um, specifically about places in the world, uh, mental health, um, male mental health as well which is not a particularly spoke about subject which is getting incredibly more enlightened in 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 the in in the western world as well which i hope um i was floored the first time i watched it i was like this is very strange because i'm I'm a massive fan of in bruges um some psychopaths is fine Um, three billboards i like um but this was like i was just struck very similar to this film where i was like there's a, a vision here and he's not in any way let go of it for someone else to say producers maybe we shouldn't have certain clippers in this film He was like no i want them you know maybe we shouldn't have certain comments comedic comments about um abuse no i want them because it adds to something it adds that these people are people regardless of how we see them um and they're not comedic entities although they think they are and bad men become good and good men become bad and um and again, that's people as well, you know, but there's also people in the middle of that war uh, and especially like to touch on the Irish civil war as well, which is very interesting, but I, I-, I wish that would have won, but I'm I'm quite happy with the way it went. You know, I- I'm not, again, I'm not someone who particularly becomes involved with the academy circus. I'd say I'm not- I know if-, if I need to know an opinion of someone in the academy, I'd rather it come from you. You know, your stuff. I don't want someone else telling me about this. I know that you know your stuff. Um, but I, I felt like what won felt like it should have won, you know. But I wasn't even happy with any of those three films. I mean, Top Gun would have been silly, like, but you know, would he have turned up for the circus? I don't know. I think there would have been a joke or two from Mr. Jimmy Kimmel about that. But um, no, I was I was pleasantly surprised with what won, and I'm happy with what won actually after seeing the film, anyway.
0: Yeah, I agree with that statement. I think reflecting twenty twenty two really like low-key great year for cinema i feel like a lot of people didn't talk but like there's some really great films that came out and i like that you mentioned banshees barry kerrigan i don't know if it's just me any film that can make me think he's not only a good actor but like amazing props to you um i'll give three also i'll give my first like silly one this is just my heart i know it shouldn't have one i would love if bros won. obviously Um, yes talk about
1: that later yeah
0: right uh love that film i appreciate your review of it mentioning that it doesn't break the cliches Mm -hmm. but like i love it because it does break the cliches there's a purpose there Mm -hmm. um would recommend anyone go read my article on Clappers that i cannot believe got published (laughs) but um go read that passion um my Yes, well, a lot of passion, a lot of anger. Yes. Um, my second pick is Baz's Elvis. Oh, wow. I talk about maximalist films. Um, I think this is a movie, you can talk about the morals of it, specifically with how it portrays Elvis and certain things about yes. him that maybe they cut and maybe definitely deserve attention. Yes. Um, but I feel like Baz has never got the real recognition that he deserves. Talking about undeserved, unrecognized artists, like he's got nominations and such. But he just makes such well-crafted big films with such strong emotional hearts. I mean, I went into this movie not caring about Elvis and I left like an Elvis in this cinematic (laughs) lens, uh, a big fan of this man. Um, So I really was adored by that. But if I had to pick one, I mean, obviously I would say it's Babylon. Um, I'm not going to say much because you haven't seen it yet, but just Chazelle um, retroactively seeing the venom it gave him and the perspective it gave him on the film industry I think First Man bombing will look back and say it's the best thing that could have ever happened to him. Wow. I'm very, very curious and nervous what you think, but we'll get to, I, um, we'll talk about that one day. Just for the, sake of it.
1: I, um I, I, the first time I ever watched um, First Man, I watched it in IMAX. I mean, I don't, I, well, I don't get IMAX. I was in America. He was in Seattle at the point, weirdly enough. And I watched it with, there was only two of us in there. I think he walked out and I had the whole cinema. And when he steps on that moon, I was like, this man understands cinema everyone everyone yeah. looks at that that film and doesn't understand it and i, and I feel like it's not necessarily just even the ryan Gosling portrayal which is extraordinary as neil armstrong extraordinary that scene in the crater oh my god chills i'm getting goosebumps i have the annotated screen i yeah. novel. you should buy that's amazing um but yeah i think Damien Chassel gets shit on because i think he loves cinema and la la land is a film about cinema first man is a film that uses cinema and babylon is about cinema so i'm, I'm going to look forward to that but um the Elvis one's interesting because I'm a massive fan of Elvis. Um, Elvis. I'm a massive fan of Baz Luhrmann. <laughs> right. I think Baz Luhrmann um, is, an, is probably the best director to, to subvert um, usual material. Moulin Rouge is a masterpiece. Right. Roman right. Gillette, he had no He had no reason to achieve what he did with Roman Gillette and simplify it to a point where it was accessible, but still act back to the Shakespearean nature of it. Moulin Rouge is extraordinary. Um, I think where Baz Lemon went wayward was unfortunate for Australia, because he mm-hmm. wanted the Academy Award, um, and it's a shame because I think that was meant to be a different film and the writer's strike hit. But but regardless, um, I, I, enjoy, I enjoyed all this. I, I think um, I, I think I always thought he was going to win Best Ast- uh, uh, Actor, Butler. I, I did think he was probably nailed on for that. Um, you know, things happen. I'm, I'm sure, but um, you know, that's again. That that performance by Brendan Fraser, I think we spoke about this on a, on a on a Gems, speaking about Noah. I don't know if you remember this. We brought mm-hmm. up him.
0: Directly. I wasn't there for that. You, you don't remember this. I wasn't oh, there for the Noah. I've not, you, I've not seen Noah. Because um,
1: I think I, I think it was we did a, a Darren Aronofsky um, conversation. We spoke about the, the the whale, and I was um there's a writer for a Little White Lies called Hannah. I can't remember her last name lovely person wonderful writer you should go follow her. um talking about the whale two years before it even came out about the idea of Brendan Fraser playing someone um of that size um, and I haven't I haven't watched it purposely for that reason I just feel like I, I like the actor I like the director but it just gives me a bit of the ick um, not 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 the context of film the uh, the craft of it but I always thought Austin Butler was gonna win and he does a particularly fantastic performance with, uh, with with Elvis. But again, that's a film shrouded by the nature of the beast where it's crafted from the estate and they were never gonna get away with touching things of certain preludes. Same whenever the inevitable Milan Brandothin comes up. Or any any actor from the fifties, I mean wait for the Kirk Douglas, you know. It's just there's 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 demons there that should be addressed but can't be, which is a sad state of affairs. I mean, it's it's so deep rooted you can't even talk about certain things, you know. I mean, that, that that's the sad situation of things. I and mean, if we can't talk about them, I don't think you can put it in a six hundred million dollar package of an Elvis biopic, can you? You know?
0: Yeah. Well, we'll see. I'm I'm very curious what Sofia Coppola does because now she's making. I mean, I, I think you have to see it as a response to this the Elvis we're talking about. Um, very curious. Um, but yeah, so Goodyear Cinema. Oh, if you have your picks, she, yeah, her new one is about Priscilla and like oh, the darker yeah. parts She's of got,
1: Elvis. Um Jacob,
0: Ellery, yeah. yeah. You see that? I,
1: I think <laughs> she'll she'll be very protected because of her namesake. But Sophia Coppola is not not shy to get involved when she wants to. Look at the, begu- at the beguiled or the beguiled, you know. She wants yeah. to put something. on... Well, on, I just and, don't. Um, she will do. she an excellent, yeah. fantastic film. I almost interviewed her once. Oh, yeah, for, that would have been yeah cool. but she, the, the estate there is so thick, um, not mentally. Sure. <laughs> it's very thick to, to sort of impede that wall, very thick. The cupola. She'll be fine. Sure. I'm sure her father
0: will struggle in the next few years with uh, his cinematic entity anyway. Hey, I just DoorDash his wine, so I'm trying to help oh, him out on wow. his you really? uh, projects. Yeah, I got it. The other day. <laughs> it was pretty okay. It's good. <laughs> yes, yeah, I mean it's good. It's fine. It's it's red, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. It is red. Yeah. It's a rose. I got. Yeah, oh, yeah. I have it back I there. It's, you know. So I, that what I'm trying to say is that I'm really trying to support cinema, yeah. and that I'm the real I fan mean, I here. Would even, I wouldn't uh, even for that. think otherwise. You know.
1: I've, I've seen it nine um, times you know i'll pay that ticket
0: <laughs> hey i did rewatch book club the next chapter in theaters last night so really i'm out here seeing that's, the, that's I, can uh, really, I can't really defend that because <laughs> the Mamma <laughs> mia thing i can the book know, i would never you know <laughs> i would never expect yeah, you to probably. um <laughs> if you have your thoughts on what film, if you had to pick another film to pick Best Picture, let us know on Twitter, at Clapper Podcast. Let's go ahead and end this with our rapid reviews. Anything we've seen recently can be old or new that we quickly want to discuss. Um, I will go quickly I don't really have anything great for this I guess I'll mention 2013's Evil Dead because y'all were lying to me on this one everyone told me because I didn't see Evil Dead rise in theaters but now I was going to check it out on VOD and everyone was like oh but 2013 is so good and everyone's saying this new one's good and now I'm fucking terrified because it got like a little bit lower but 2013 Evil Dead I get that it is like I think this film's so beneficial because everyone expected it to be utter shit coming after obviously what Ramy does with the film coming that many years later. I appreciate that like it's technically well done. It doesn't do anything to like hurt the other film's legacies. I get all that, but like I'm sitting there and what's the <laughs> point? Right, it doesn't have. Where's the heart? Where's the story? Where's the characters? Where are the emotions? And if you want to play that on the Evil Original or um Evil Dead trilogy, at least you have like the camp and the fun there, right? There's something there to engage with. I was just bored. And now hearing what you have to say about Evil Dead Rise, <sighs> oh, I'm scared. <laughs> um, I think I'm I'm more I'm more positive
1: on on the Evil Dead. I, I watched that when I when I when I finished school and I went to college. So I was about seventeen. Um, and it was my first R-rated film to watch at 18. So I got in there and the amount of blood that's in that film is quite shocking. I mean, anyone would turn anyone's stomach. Um, but it, it felt a venomous film by, its, by, its, by again, by its nature. It wanted to be. It had to be. There's a conversation there about things. Um, Evil Dead Rise is a POS. It's dead on arrival. I was so disgusted with that. Kyle Kriegbaum is like, watched a different film to what I, I saw. Like, and you're you, you going to struggle. I'm, I'm telling you right now you're going to struggle. Um, it's just... <laughs> I, mean, I I I don't find anything rewarding about the film. I think it's cheap. I think aesthetically it's cheap. I think the screenplay is cheap. It, it it it's shot on twelve million dollars. They're the other ones shot on fifteen. Like they've decreased the value, and it's horrifically showing three million dollars. Like where did where, that, that, is that? if that's the amount that changing your film from what looks like that should have been shot on a green screen to something that was shot generally on on location? That frightens me. Um, there's no performance in that's re- redeemable. I thought it was terrible. Um, I, I, I've I've had some hit and misses. I mean, I'll, I'll fire some off. Um, I'm I'm backload. I'm so backloaded I've been working constantly. Um, where so I've had loads to watch. Um, I'll start with a few that might upset people. Um, I detested Pearl. I'm not going to say anymore. We've had that discussion. Um, I thought Men by Alex Garland was one of the biggest worst things I've seen in in, in years by a director. Who I don't think could have hit a miss as bad as that. Um I, I thought Crimes of the Future by Cronenberg was okay, which I think is a sin. Um what else have I got? I, I really like bodies, bodies, bodies. And I, I was I hated it for the first 20 minutes of hating it. It's like these people are horrific. I don't want to spend any time here. But then something clicked and I was like, Is is this conscious? And I and I saw it out and I was like, this is I I love this. It was so close for a five stars. Um ghosted. Um, should have stayed wherever it was made. It was absolutely terrible. Um, knock at the cabin. Our boy Carson has made three on the trot, which is which is decent. I'm so happy. I can't wait to see what his daughter makes next. I can't wait to see what he makes next. Dave Patiste was a revelation. He's so good. Um, I thought Kimmy by Steven Soderbergh was outstanding from from someone who deals with a slight anxiety from occasion. Um, how it caught that idea of agoraphobia, which I can imagine is uh, absolute terror to live with. Um, that that how it projected that insecurity on screen, and how its five minutes last five minutes are just fucking chaos. Was excellent. Um, I th- I, I'm not going to talk about the film. There's another film by someone we don't like who I watched. I I, I needed to see it. Um, I watched the Pope Exorcist. I I, I enjoyed that. Um, Renfield I really enjoyed as well. Um, that's a film very much like Evil Dead Rise where it was the other way around where people were like, ah, oh, this is rubbish. And I went into it and I was like, the only person who needed that film to be understood was Nicolas Cage. And he got he just, he just got it. It was perfect for me. Um, ba Aquafina, or Aquafina, I think it's pronounced, who was meant to be in the film we spoke about tonight, which is very, very worrying, but um, is what it is. Uh, I finally watched Dashcam. Whew. <laughs> Um, the most insufferable film I've ever seen. If I could rate lower, than I would have done. Uh, I'm going to end torture. You know, <laughs> sorry, I had not have of body experience that. I thought I, was, I thought I'd have to watch it again. Um, but just to end very quickly, uh, I'll end on on something you've been talking about. Um, I really enjoyed Bros. I really enjoyed Bros. Um, I thought I, I was sort of I didn't know what to expect because I didn't know if it was going to go sort of the I know because this is a joke within the film as well. I didn't know if it was going to go Amy Schumer train what wreck. Or the other Amy Schumer film where she's with I don't know is it Liam Hemsworth I don't know There's one of those films I didn't know if it was going to become vulgar because I think sometimes when you've got like a really good heart story here where you could be we could actually do something with it rather than just like go back to like uh you know let's talk about poop or something like that you know um one one of many characteristics of Amy Schumer's films um I really enjoyed it I thought it was so heartwarming to watch it was authentic it didn't shy away from um showing bodies and showing um, touch, which I thought it would do. Um, and I'm so glad they stuck to that. Fuck the people who didn't want to see it. but if if that's if that's what what people shied away from, I'm so glad they double down on it. It's like, if you don't want to watch it, it's not for you. This is about humans touch and how humans feel. So I thought that was really good. The comedic element was outstanding. The Hallmark references were classic. Um, I felt it was conventional. Um, and I don't know if we disagree on this, but I'm glad it was conventional because it showed that the progress of it could be. It didn't need to have silly, unconventional, subvert expectations on it, you know. These are two people who happen to be to, to be men, happen to be gay. They have a relationship. It doesn't work, it does work, there's issues. I'm glad that they're stuck by that. It just makes it more organic. It was real, you know. And um it was genuinely hilarious. I quite like Billy Akner to begin with, because um, I also I need to pronounce it. Because I hope I hope he listens to this. When I finish work, I read a lot of reviews. I read yours. I read Alinas and I read Jacobs. I read Nicks, Kyles. I read quite a few of them. Right, the one I always look forward to is someone called Paul Price. Those reviews are so scathing. Like when when he hates something, I'm like I'm in I'm for it. And when he likes something, I love it. His review for Bros was like everything he detested. I liked. He, I think he said it was like an SNL skit, and I can, I can understand that. But for th- this is the groundwork for something. I hope they build on. Uh, and uh, I thought the comedic nature was really fun to it as well. I thought I, I like Billy. Agnes. I know he doesn't, but Billy Eichner sort of he's snappy, he's torn, he's deliberate. Everything is like comes across nasty, but it's just like um, has like a pillow of like or you know like like it's just honest it's like it's like brutally wonderfully honest about things um you know and, and it gets a bit silly with like, the the, uh, the Abraham Lincoln thing and the Ben Stiller cameo and stuff but i i thought it added um so much more character to it i i really really liked it and um i don't know i, I don't know if asked you this i don't know if people weren't ready for it i don't know if people just didn't see it i think if if something comes out like a uh, big Epics, and you've got um, a rom com. I don't think rom coms do particularly well at the cinema anywhere. Um, if it would have come out on streaming, maybe that's a loss they would have taken, and it maybe have gained some more on Netflix. But then, I don't know if if there's an issue there. We have to tone certain things down, you know. Um, but no, I, I really enjoyed it. I was just watching. I, um, I just caught myself laughing at things because usually I just smile. And like, yeah, that's quite funny. But I was like, that's that that's that's hilarious. And it was really heartwarming yeah. as well. And I thought at the end, I didn't think, I think he was going to, I thought he was going to follow through and be like, it just didn't work out. But the fact that there's like the Deborah Messing thing and he does the, uh, the Gav Brooks, like, you know, it's re- really, really good stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Do you think it just, people just didn't see it? Or do you think it was marketed to
0: I th- Well, I think it was marketed pr- poorly. I think the title being Bros was like a horrible choice. Mm-hmm. I think it also is just like, it's such an interesting narrative around what the reaction to this film yes. was. Because it premiered at TIFF and everyone who saw it at TIFF was raving about it. Because, of course, you're going to rave about the gay comedy. Like, of course, it's progressive. Like, not to say, like, people didn't enjoy it, because I, th- I think it's amazing. I bet most people really did enjoy it who yeah. saw it. But, of course, socially, there's this desire to always be in the conversation. I think that box office-wise... I'm not shocked at all. Maybe I'm just a little bit more skeptical about the progress of you know, the United States, let's say. But like, I'm not shocked that this didn't do well. But then the conversation came around where Billy like, very openly talked about and discussed it, and I think made some very valid yes. points. And due to the root of homophobia, the conversation started to turn negative. And now because we're in such a, you know, group mindset where you always want to be with everyone in the conversation, when those homophobic roots started to happen, other people started to just like not understand it was homophobic, but then get into that mindset of like, bros is the enemy, Billy Eichner is the enemy for speaking out. And then just everyone turned on this film to the point where we're having headlines that the are the message of bros is we should let gay art flop, which is like fucking insane to publish. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I, i'm not shocked and like the thing is like i also don't expect everyone to be able to like relate or understand this film it is bringing to life a very certain perspective that is the perspective of carson tamar from the comedy to the drama like not since call me by your name has there been a film that i'm just like oh that's me and my friends watch and they're like oh that's oh, you that. like there's a fucking night at the museum <laughs> cameo yeah. i am obsessed with night at the museum too like it's It's my film. Um, but what really impressed me, that I don't think enough people talk about, is the drama. That billy eichner gives performance wise there's a couple monologues in here where you can tell he's speaking yes. fully from the heart yes. and just pouring his soul out and genuinely there's some of the most moving scenes and monologues i've seen in cinema in years there's specifically one at the beach where he talks about growing up wow. queer, yes. and he talks about how he the world didn't change fast enough and his parents will never see that he made it and never see that yeah. he was okay being gay and it's just like getting goosebumps yeah, literally true. talking about it right now. I mean, I think I re- yeah, I love that film. Obviously, um, I mean the, de- the yeah, of- I, but I do think it's amazing. Yeah, I think
1: the delivery of it Go was that, it? just that scene as well. Just to because I think not many people got to speak about this film, and I, I'm, I'm I if we can indulge just for a second that I've relied to, but the fact that like he 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 understands his beats there as well. Like he pauses at the right time. Yeah, he, he he's like he stumbles and and. He, he looks away. Looks at like he just nails everything about. It. There's a scene towards the end as well um, when they're uh, when, when they're uh, talking on the pier, and it's like there's, there's venom there, and I like that because yeah. that because anger comes from a place of where you've been hurt, and I think that that's raw emotion where right? it's very difficult then to put that in words, yeah. articulate, uh, and he and he was stunning. it. And I also thought that the, uh, the it does touch on subjects where it's like oh this is very dicey when he talks to um, Aaron's mom at the dinner table. You know, it's like a conversation right. where a lot of people will watch something and be like, "This feels like it's a, in a different film." But
0: I'm glad he went there. I'm glad he was like, "Yeah, okay, this is a conversation. Let's have a talk about it." Um, I, I remember. The venom and weight of the queer experience. There's also the scene where they go to the museum and they have this montage of real life queer icons Mm -hmm. and people from history who were queer. And like, it does that so well because like, I'm so sick, peace and love, of like white straight women like Jane Campion making these queer stories and just like making it cliched and making it horrible. Also, this film shits on Power of the Dog, so like, of course, I'm going to give it five stars. But like... I'm so sick of like this image of like, this is what being gay is. This is what being queer is. Cause there's so much weight behind it. And there's so much anger. You know, I watch bro, see the reaction of bros and I get angry because people are saying, Oh, that shouldn't be, you shouldn't be angry. You shouldn't be creating. Co-. Like that's my life though. That's like our perspective, right? That is our world. And just seeing that on screen, I think is so powerful. And even though this flopped, right? Even though this didn't do good box office wise, no one talks about it. Like the idea that there could have been a queer kid somewhere in the country, that went and saw this, and maybe they weren't comfortable being queer. Maybe they were still coming to themselves and seeing like it is okay, and seeing their thoughts expressed on screen. Like that's cinema. That yeah. is cinema. We should be rewarding. That is cinema. We should be validating. Yeah, I mean, I love that I film. Speaking about uh, validating, I remember
1: I remember reading your piece when we published it. But I also because I remember the fury on Twitter. So I was like doing some like sleuthing on the internet. I think Universal said that, um, that the reason why it flopped is because it. It was only viewed by um, mostly gay men. And I thought to myself, are you, are you that naive to think that that wouldn't be the, <laughs> the main target audience? That film's for those people. I mean, the fact that it, it, may, it may be played in Arkansas, you know, um, or, or places like that, is a bonus. It got to the people it needed to get to. It. And, it, and it, it, is, it is a shame because I hope that, again, we talk about money in, in film. I just hope that that monetary issue of it not particularly performing for Universal doesn't give them the, the uh, you know the, the short the cold shoulder and think there's not an audience here for it because surely as shit the, the, the amount of people who will make Disney remakes who don't go watch them you know for the sake of it you know I would I, again I would rather see them roll the dice and make because Paul Price says oh, there's going to be a sequel called Dance like, might make it make it it sets itself
0: up perfect right. like,
1: make it think about
0: hey i mean if david russell can make another film after his bombed and the narrative can be that wow what a shame for original art i'm sure universal would respect this too i know you were. i got you i wasn't
1: gonna
0: gonna bring the film up uh i thought we weren't gonna talk about it but uh yeah because we
1: made a pact uh, and we said because i'm done with that man like i'm i'm I'm, we've done a while okay a while and um it was on i think it's on amazon prime and i was like fucking 150 minutes Jesus Christ! Fuck it! I'll, I'll, I'll give it a go. And I was like, I was watching. It. I was like, What is this? What is this? It's like, was it was it was, was hundred forty six million dollars to produce. It lost hundred forty six million dollars. And, and and Taylor Swift, like, there's choices there. Like, what what are these people doing? Like, and, and they're like, Christine Bell should know better. And then again, like, when you see films like like Bros, like, just not performing very well. It's not out of necessity because it's a poor film quite the contrary i think it's just an issue where there's a there's a i think we live in a world where if one person or two says it's good it's it's a pyramid where it starts to fall down and then you either get one person says no it's not because i don't agree with you or you know the consensus is crafted around it i just feel i just i just don't want to live on a, on a on a social media platform where because bros is about two gay men or about gays trans people non-binary people if that's the reason why you didn't want to go watch it, or because you, because it was rubbish because of that, like that's a very very difficult place to live on, you know so i'm I'm glad that that, that at least it found a home with you as well and i'm and I hope like you said it's found a home with a few other people as well, and then yeah. don't go watch Amsterdam, do something better.
0: Right, I just think it's very telling. The critics who like saw it early loved it, and then seeing how their voices evolved with the conversation, I think it's just like comedic. To be honest, I'm just like this is why like I don't know. I'm over like the more and more I get into film and film criticism, the less I become interested in like social media or any of the big people on social media. I think one thing like, I think if I can give you some advice here though is that
1: it's very important that you remain in this circle. Because your sure. voice is needed. Because if those people are saying it's bad, and you like it, and I haven't seen it, I want to hear your opinion. And obviously, as well, right? But you know, this this film is crafted around things that mean a lot to you, a lot to you, right? By definition, a lot of these things. And I'm always intrigued by that because I want to know what your opinion is of it. You know, because I watch it and I'm like, right. okay. But it's nice to get educated as well and be like well actually as as a as a as a young gay man I've had that venom like again the ability they'll be missing on right. the beach there'll be there's a generation there of like you know people not being able to see uh, get the flowers when they deserved it so i'm glad that I've got, you know you're at least here to have that conversation regardless of some xenophobic piece of shit was like I'm not watching because of that. The one thing that, that upsets me right, around not to go back, <laughs> to back on Amsterdam but I'd, I, I'm very worried in, in a critical world where we'll talk about bros and mention the sexuality or the sexual nature of it as well as uh, the body uh, in that conversation but we won't talk about accusations that are not even mm-hmm. accusations they are real things that have happened mm-hmm. with a director who has uh, uh, abused a part of that um that, that that community and it just goes unwarranted. That's a dissonance that's incredibly difficult. And uh, not not difficult, I'll rephrase that. Um disgusting, quite frankly. Um and that's what worries me because one film is a bomb. Well technically the both film bomb, but we'd rather talk about um Billy Eichner trying to have an engagement and discussion, whereas one man just hides in his house um and seems to work with these stars who just don't want to have a conversation but you know that's perhaps that's another conversation i don't want i, I think we should give Bros the the planets it deserves <laughs> right <laughs> because I don't, I don't think without your letterbox recommendation five stars um i don't think i'd have watched this as quick as i did you know right. so i'm really glad we had the discussion about it. i'm glad i watched it uh it would be it would have been in my top 10 i really really liked it and I can't wait for great Equal dads that Paul Price is be
0: watching. <laughs> Paul Price will be their opening day. I knew Paul was I like I've never been so sure Paul was going to give a one star to a film and I was like, you need to watch it. You need to watch it. You need to watch it. We both know and him. I'm happy he did because that was great.
1: Paul's just playing up for oh,
0: Secretly, of course he did. Yeah, Paul loves it. He's
1: just yeah, embarrassed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He loves going, <laughs> I You can tell. But sometimes like the passion there <laughs> comes off a bit like you can mm. tell there's something going on there like This was pretty good. This was pretty good. I know he's messaging you and Alina saying, guys, I'm going to say it was shit, but I really enjoyed it.
0: Come on. We have to keep that a secret. I'm telling you. Right. (laughs) Um, With that, thank you so much for joining me, Jack. That's going to be a review of everything everywhere at once, plus bros. And that worked, You know, hey, happy Pride Month. We had a secret little review of bros in there. Jack, where can we find you on social media? You can
1: find me on Twitter and Letterboxd with the username at JackLukeSharp.
0: And you can find me on Twitter at PP underscore movie reviews letterbox. Just Carson Tamar. Thank you so much for listening slash watching the podcast. You can find new episodes every other week on YouTube and everywhere you find podcasts in two weeks. It's Asteroid City. We talked about Wes Anderson, um, and we're going to be reviewing his new feature. If you want another Clappercast in that time, you can go to our Patreon. We're doing Portrait of a Lady on Fire this month, which I'm very excited about. Um, But you can find all that where you can find it. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back in two weeks. See you then.